everyone. Welcome back to You Asked For It. Um, this is a podcast from pastors who are just answering the questions that you sent in about life and the Bible, um, Christianity in general, how to live in this world as Christians. And the question that was turned today uh, is one that I'm pretty sure every every parent is asking. I know I'm even already asking that about my five-year-old and three-year-old, um, but it was sent in uh, by a parent, and it was this question. How do we talk to our children about people in the LGBTQ lifestyle? And, and before we get in and allow Pastor Steve to respond, I just want to say we know that this is a, a sensitive subject that we are dealing with. We want to be sensitive to that, but then we also want to make sure that, you know, we're not just grabbing random information out of the top of our heads, but um, this has been researched thoroughly. And so if you would like to see that research and see those articles and the footnotes, you can um, go to youaskedfor.live. We'll have a document there, or in the show notes of this episode, we'll have a link there where you can click and look at that information. So, Pastor Steve, how would you respond? Well, it's a real-world question because the person who sent this in said that her children have friends who either have two mommies or they have two daddies. Hmm. Almost every teen has a, has someone they know or perhaps is a friend who identifies in the LGBT uh, landscape. But let me tell you something that really blew me away. Gallup poll in February of 2021 uh, did, an, sh- did a poll that showed that there's been an explosion of people who identify as LGBT. Hmm. The group that was born between 1997 and 2002 of that group now, 16.8% wow. say they are LGBT. Now, with that said, 72% of those who identify that way say they are bisexual. Um, uh, then, uh, about 2% each identify as either gay, lesbian, or transgender. Now, to show you how this has exploded, that 16.8% of Gen Z, my generation, the baby boomer, it's less than 2% identify as LGBT. Hmm. Your generation, the millennials, is around 10%. So we went from 2 to 10 to 16.8%. Your jump was a wow. tremendous jump. Wow. Yeah, that, that that's interesting. And, and and I think the reason we need to talk about this today, and I appreciate this parent sending it in, is because ignoring this issue with your kids is no longer a, a wise tactic. They're going to see it on TVs or in the movies or in the grocery store, at sporting events, or at school. They're going to have friends whose, whose kids, um, whose parents are, are in this situation. And so um, I think if we just try to say, well, we don't need to talk about it, I, I don't think we're going to help them. And, and here's why I think the reason is, is because I believe that we would we should want to have these conversations with our kids now, right? We would mm. we want to be the ones who help construct of the worldview and not let the the world be the one cuz a worldview is going to be constructed either way. Yeah. And so I believe as a parent, we want to help our kids think through this first before the world helps them think. Through and it. one of our goals is a biblical worldview. Yes. Uh, when I was thinking about this explosion, how you can go from 2% in my day and time and go to 16.8% of this current generation. One of the things that has been said that is just not true is that people are born that way. There's never been a gay gene that's been discovered. All of the studies that have ever been done have shown that there are other causes mm. other than genetic causes. Mm. And I think this disproves it. I think mm. that if only 2% of my day were born gay, then how can you all of a sudden go to 16.8% now? Mm. So that that takes that. But I think that one of the reasons why we've seen such an explosion is because, in essence, in our culture, gasoline's being thrown on that fire. Teens are applauded when they come out. 
Uh, a minor celebrity of the 1970s became Time's Person of the Year when he said he, that she, he was now a she. Hmm. Uh, every network TV show has a, a positive depiction of a gay character. But I think this is one of the keys, and I want you to talk about this because you've been dealing with young people over the last few years. Hmm. The influence of social media and the desire to belong has caused many of that Gen Z to identify in those in those terms. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everybody could agree that every person in this world is looking for belonging and acceptance of mm-hmm. some kind, right? We want a, we want a people to be a part of. We want something yeah. to be a part of. And, and the main message— you got to hand it to him. The main message from the LBGTQ community is that you belong here and you're accepted here. So now imagine this. Imagine you're a 13-year-old and nothing makes sense in this world. Um, everything's falling apart around you. And, and then, most of them feel unattractive. Yes, you feel unattractive or all this kind of, and you have this and then all of a sudden this group of people says, hey – you can be you can be a person here. You can belong here. You're you're accepted here, and and you know that's a big deal. Um, it, it's no wonder that it's become attractive. And not only that, stu- students seek popularity from social media. Scientists today tell us that a like that you receive on social media works like a drug to the brain. And so, mm-hmm. so I mean, social media companies know they've built algorithms to try to figure out a way for you to continue to to look and to seek for likes. If this is what is bringing about likes, and that is what then is causing good feelings to the brain, then it's no, it's by no coincidence that it would drive people mm-hmm. to this. And, and here's what I think. I believe all of this is just revealing what we as Christians know to be true, and that is that we were made for community. We were. Not one person is made to be by themselves. No. We're made to be um, in community. Therefore, what I believe needs to happen is the church needs to start considering the message that we offer to teenagers, um, th- that message of belonging and hope and true community, and that yeah. that is ultimately offered in Christ. And no person in this world could ever give them what Jesus can offer them. Mm. I think that would change a lot of stuff. Yeah. I read a book a while back that was written by a man that was involved in an outreach ministry in North Chicago to the gay community, trying to help them know how much Jesus loves them. And he entitled his book, Love is an Orientation. Mm. And I think— so many are just desperately seeking to be loved. Mm. And shouldn't they find that from Christians? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we want to do three things in answering this question and three things in this podcast. Before you talk to your kids, you need to know the facts about the LGBT lifestyle. Before you talk to your kids, you need to know what the Bible says and why it says it. And then thirdly, you need to think through how you talk with your kids about this subject as well as what you say. So let's start first with the facts about the LGBT lifestyle. And I'll be honest with you, Justin, my heart breaks for so many who are trapped in same-sex addiction. Mm. Uh, I don't believe many of them consciously chose it. It was factors beyond their control that caused that. In 1998 in JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, a study was shown that said that adolescent boys— who are victimized by males, were seven times more likely to identify as homosexuals uh, than their peers who had not been abused. One study put out in 2001 by three eminent psychiatrists said that 68% of homosexuals and 36% of lesbians had been molested in the past. So if you take a boy and he is molested— that can skew his whole network and, and the, his whole way of thinking. I know of people who shared their story with me, and that's where their same-sex attraction thoughts began. Mm. I'll give you some examples. Uh, Dennis Jernigan is a popular contemporary Christian music a musician. 
He's been married since 1988, and he and his wife now have nine children, so that's the end of the story. (laughs) But before that, for years, he was involved in a gay lifestyle. Uh, He attributes the same sex attraction that he fought for years from the fact that when he was five years old, he walked into a public restroom by himself. His folks said, go ahead and go in there, and there was a pedophile waiting for him. Mm. And that just caused everything to be mixed up in his life. Mm. Stephen Arterburn wrote in a book called When Love Is Not Enough about a, a little boy named Grant who went to a Christian camp. And his Christian counselor pulled him aside and began to molest him and said to him, this is the way Christians love mm. one another. Mm. And that encounter caused confusion and feelings that led him into the gay lifestyle. Uh, when it comes to lesbianism, I, I take a lot of uh, of wisdom from somebody that we brought into Auburn University to work with our female athletes. So her name was Christine Sneeringer. She had come out of the lesbian lifestyle. Uh, she said that basically what she had experienced was that most of the women that she knew that were involved in lesbian lifestyles had come to the conclusion that men are dangerous. Wow. Uh, her father was an abusive man, or maybe they've been used in the in the hookup culture where boys force themselves on girls, and they came to that conclusion. And so my heart breaks for those. But there's another factor that I think is tended toward this explosion, and that's the breakup of the homes and the absence of, far, of fathers. Mm. How many boys don't have a man to love them in the way that they should be loved in their lives? It's almost becoming a majority versus a minority now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Irving Beaver studied the family background of 106 active homosexual men. He found that 81% had domineering mothers, 82% said their fathers spent very little time with their sons, Mm. and 79% said that their fathers maintain a detached attitude toward their sons. So let me ask you this. When we talk about somebody chose the lifestyle, did a little boy choose to be molested when 68% of homosexual men have been molested? Did a, a, a boy choose to be raised in a family without a father? Those aren't their choices. And so those those helped contribute to who they were. Hmm. Now, with that said, we've looked at some of the facts about homosexuality, but we also have to go to the Bible. One of the key verses on homosexuality is Romans 1, and I'm going to read that to you. In Romans 1, 26 and 27, For this reason God delivered them over to disgraceful passions, their women exchanging natural sexual relations for unnatural one, the ones. The men in the same way left their natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. Now, there's two facts from Romans 1 that match the facts on the ground about the homosexual lifestyle. He talked about them being inflamed in lust. Two of the people who were mentored and trained by Alfred Kinsey, the so-called sexual expert, Bell and Weinberg, reported that 83% of the homosexual men that they had studied had had sex with 50 or more partners in their lifetime. 43% said they had had sex with over 500 partners. And 28% said they'd had sex with over uh, 1,000 partners. In their surveying, they found that 79% of homosexual men say that over half their sex partners were strangers. This is a a matter of a lust that controls you. Mm -hmm. But it's also physically harmful. Um, a, a study published in the Journal of Epidemiology by Dr. R.S. Hogg 
said that if a man begins homosexual actions at age 20, he has only a 32% chance of reaching age 65 and a 50% chance of becoming HIV positive. Wow. wow. Now, the new one that's become the fad of our day and time is transgenderism. And even that, uh, a recent study by Charles Illenfeld said that the suicide rate among those who identified as, identify as transgender is now 41%. 41%, 41%. attempt suicide. Wow. Folks, this is not a good lifestyle. No. But there is hope hmm. for someone involved in, a, in the lifestyle. Let me give you one more Bible verse before we leave what the Bible says and talk about how you talk to either your children or someone involved in this lifestyle. Hmm. In 1 Corinthians 6, and Corinth was a sexually immoral town. In fact, they coined a term in the Roman Empire to Corinthianize meant you lived with no sexual morality. Mm. And so he talks about those that God had brought into the church. His grace had made them into different people. This is what he says. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he starts listing sins. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, that would be gossips, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice, this homosexuality was one of the many sins addressed. And I think one of the things that we do too often is we act as if it's the greatest sin of all. Hmm. Homosexual actions are sinful, but they are in the same category as gossip, envy, drunkenness, all those kind of things. And, and so we've got to keep that in mind. But also... He says, such were some of you. Mm. There were people who'd been in that lifestyle and came out. Mm. See, that's what Jesus can do. Um, Dan Yeary, who's, who I had the privilege of getting to know, he's retired now, but he was the pastor at North Phoenix Baptist Church. He said one time one of his members came to him and said, do you want homosexuals to come to our church? He said, yes. I want adulterers, liars, bigots, drunks, and drug addicts to come too. We will love them as Christ does, but will not condone some of their choices or permit the normalization of their lifestyle. But we will keep preaching to all the same message of hope. And then listen to what he says. Here's the message we give to people. Jesus loves you as you are, but loves you too much to leave you that way. Wow. Wow. Now, one of the... Things that happens in the propaganda of the LGBT movement is this. They are basically saying that once you are a homosexual, you are always a homosexual. There's no going back. Uh, That's one of the reasons why there's been efforts to make illegal the kind of counseling that could help somebody change their orientation. Dr. Robert Spitzer caused a bombshell to be dropped off in this particular area. He's an agnostic He's not a Christian. His research was not based on that. In the 1970s, he personally led the American Psychiatric Association to change the designation designation of homosexuality from sickness to normal. Hmm. So he was a hero of the LGBT movement. In 2003, he kept hearing people who would give testimonies that I was involved in same-sex activities and I was able to become a a satisfied heterosexual through counseling. Mm. So he did just a clinical study the way he would do with anything else. This is not a Christian study. It was just a clinical study. And he came to the conclusion that 66% of men who wanted to change their orientation and entered into counseling could effectively change their orientation and live a satisfying heterosexual lifestyle. 
He was attacked I bet. for that. Mm. You can't say those kind of things. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's the question on the floor that was sent to us. With those facts in mind, with the wisdom of the Scriptures before us, how do we talk to our children or how do we talk to our loved ones who are in this particular lifestyle? Well, one of the things that I think we've got to do because we're sharing with them the biblical point of view, which I believe is the best way of life. We've got to help them to see the Bible differently. Can, can I tell you a personal story? Way back in the 80s when we're talking 2% were in the LGBT category, I was in a church that had a bus ministry, and somebody told me that one of the little six-year-old boys we were picking up had two mamas. So when I found that out, I called them up and said, can I come by as a pastor and see you? And I had, of course, somebody else with me when I came. And as soon as I walked in, there was coldness in the room, and they looked at me and said, I guess you came here to condemn us. I said, no, I came here to thank you. Wow. You've trusted us with your son. You're letting us tell your son about Jesus. What wow. a privilege. Thank you for doing that. Mm. And then I said, but if you bring up your lifestyle, I've got to tell you how I approach this. I consider myself to be like the Domino's pizza delivery boy. Mm. My job is to get the truth from the, the, get it from the kitchen to your doorstep without messing it up. I didn't write the Bible. I can't change it. I just deliver it. But here's what I believe. Mm. I believe that every time in, you see in the Bible, don't do something, it's the Heavenly Father saying, don't hurt yourself. Mm. And every time you see the Bible say, do this, God, the Heavenly Father is saying, now that's the way to happiness. Mm. So I think, bottom line, Justin, the, the one verse that ought to guide the tone of how we speak about this issue with anyone else is in Ephesians chapter 4, 25. It says, speak the truth in love. Mm. We can't compromise the truth, but I know of people who give the truth, and it sounds harsh. Mm. And I know of people who are so loving they can never get around to the truth because they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. So we've got to do that. So I would encourage you, make sure you're speaking the truth in love. Please, whatever you do when you're speaking to somebody that's brought this issue up, respond in love and not anger. Mm. Every person that we meet is someone made in God's image. Yeah. It's someone that Jesus loves so much. He's, he died for them. We, we, we've got to express the love of God, even if we don't condone their actions. Would you say that, like, I've thought about this before. Would you say that because of some Christians' responses in the past uh, to this, that we have sometimes even hurt the, the opportunity to share right. truth with people right. around them? Yeah. You know, they've, we've chosen to come at them harshly. In, in condemnation as opposed to saying, hey, look, God made you in his image, and he wants something so much better for you yeah, than you can imagine. He, does, he wants something better for yeah, you. Yeah. So we've got, we, that's got to be our tone. But I do agree. I think sometimes we Christians have driven people further away from Christ hmm. and further away from the truths that could be a life-changing truth for their lives. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Jernigan, I mentioned him early on, a Christian songwriter, um, uh, he was so bad. He said he went to the streets, you know, and, and, and at times he even became a prostitute on the streets with his uh, same-sex attraction. Mm. But God began to pull him toward himself. He began to desire a change. He started going to church again. And he came there as somebody who was heavily involved in this lifestyle, asking for God's help. But he also was honest enough to find a man in that church who said, would you walk with me? Would you help me? Mm. And I love this is what that that Christian friend said to Dennis. Dennis, I don't understand what you are feeling, but I believe I I believe that I know the answer. Here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to walk toward Jesus with you hmm. for as long as it takes. That's good. That's good. That's what we've got to do. We've got to take people and say, I love you. And hey, let's walk toward Jesus together. Amen. That's good. Wow. Yeah. Hey, look, this is a, um, this is a tough subject, but I think something that we're, that's very needed in our, in our world today. Um, like I said, our, our people and we're, we're going to be, we're going to see this all it's the an time. an exploding issue. An exploding issue. And so I think this is something that our we as Christians should maybe lean in towards more of how can we respond rightly instead of brushing it away, trying to act like we don't have to deal with it anymore. So, Pastor Steve, thank you for your thoughts on this and the, the work you did um, to help families as they think through this as well. Uh, we want to thank every one of you for listening and, and being a part of this with us today. Um, if you have any other questions, like I said, don't hesitate just to reach out to us um, on the website submit your question. Um, We'll do our best to get to them. Um, We've got a couple more episodes left in this season, uh, so stay on the lookout to what is ahead. Thanks. Thanks.